church on the rock? My name is Rashad. I am one of the pastors here at Church on the Rock, and we do that every time that we gather because we want to make sure you're awake, especially on this rainy day when all you want to do is get under the covers and watch Netflix or Hulu or whatever. We want to make sure that you're here with us and you're ready to hear a message. So when I say good morning, Church on the Rock, at the top of your lungs, as loud as you can, scream good morning, Rashad. I need your energy I want your energy today. I really want you here with me, so give it to me, because I'm going to give you everything I got. Good morning, Church on the Rock! Good morning, Rashad! Boom! I love it. I love it. All right. I can go off of that. So here we go. Um, weird week for me. Uh, just going to be transparent, vulnerable here. Long week for me. And then to wake up, and it's raining, and we got one service, and the toilets again. Ah, right? Like, just come on, right? But um, yet, I, I'm thankful that God has done it the way he's done it because it allows me to be up here, like, naked. And when I say that, I mean vulnerable, transparent, not naked. I got clothes on, right? <laughs> no, all right, no. All right, all right. Let's focus here. Let's focus. All right, so we are going to uh, start a sermon series. It may take two. Is that my mic? I'm sorry. Is that me? Okay. It may take two weeks to uh, complete. It's going to be called A Walk to Remember, and we're going to be in Luke chapter 24. It's called A Walk to Remember. So Brent, let me get a slide up there real quick just so people can see it and kind of put this together. And honestly, because I put so much work into this, I want people to see it. So A Walk to Remember. Um, we're going to approach this differently. Uh, I really want you to feel the weight of this passage, and that's why it may take longer than one week to really complete, but I want you to feel the weight of this because I really think, I was just talking to Jason about how everybody in here is on this wide spectrum of different areas in their walk, and yet I feel this passage itself can hit everybody in a unique way. Um, so I really want you in tune with what this passage is saying. So today is what many people around the country call Palm Sunday. Have you ever heard of that? Um, it deals with Jesus and his triumphant entry into Jerusalem right before he went to the cross. Um, it, was, it was prophesied in Zechariah 9.9, so give me that one first. It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout in triumph, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and endowed with salvation, humble and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So Jesus comes into Jerusalem um, on this colt that he told, uh, he told his disciples to go and, and get and tell them that it's in the name of the Lord or it's for the Lord. And as he's walking in, in Matthew 21, uh, verse 8, it says, most of the crowd spread their coats in the road and others were cutting branches from the trees, which would have been palm trees, and spreading them on so he's got this king, this triumph entry into Jerusalem. And then it goes on and it says, the crowds going ahead of him and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna is the highest. Now this right here is actually from uh, Psalm 118. Uh, Psalm 118, give me that, says, O Lord, do save, we beseech you. So the word Hosanna uh, in the Hebrew, which is right here, O Lord, do save, we beseech you, is Yasha Anna. So Yasha means deliver us, save us. 
Anna means we beg you, we beseech you, we are begging you to save us. So when it says, oh, Lord, do save us, we beg you, Hosanna, when you say Hosanna, like Yasha Anna, Hosanna, it's us saying, we beg you to deliver us. We beg you to save us. So when in Matthew 21, uh, 9, when they're saying Hosanna, Hosanna to the highest, to the greatest, and all that, they're begging the person that, is, that they're saying this to, to save them, to deliver them. So they actually see him as a king. They see him as the Messiah. They see him as Jesus. And, and they said, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Um, go back to that. You, you had it right. You had it right. Yeah. And Hosanna in the highest. They actually see Jesus as a king, triumphant, on this colt, walking in, about to do everything that they want him to do in terms of redeeming them, in terms of conquering their, their, the things that they're going through. This is what's going on in their mind as they're saying these words out loud. So um, I'm a Laker fan, okay? Any, any Laker fans out there? No Laker fans out there. Wow. Is that, is that my mic, Brent? Is that my mic? Hold on. Let me get rid of this real quick. I'm sorry, y'all. Hold on. I can't do this with the popping and stuff. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. All right. Here we go. All right. So now it's going to be like a rapper, so just bear with me, okay? All right. All right. <laughs> So I'm a Laker fan. No other Laker fans, right? That's a, okay. Forget y'all. All right. So when when we uh, got the free agent, when we got LeBron James over the summer, in my mind, and some of you, I'm, most of you know LeBron James. In my mind, I'm like, the King is coming, right? The King is coming to Los Angeles, and we are gonna go to the playoffs. We're going to go to the finals. We're about to get another championship because the king is here. LeBron James is here. And I put all of my hope and my everything that LeBron James was going to redeem my team, right? Yeah, so, <laughs> so Christmas Day, LeBron's playing against the Golden State Warriors, and he goes down with a groin injury. And when he comes back, the team's not the same. All kinds of stuff messes up around it. And everything that I put my hope in was destroyed. And as a result, I was sitting on my couch yesterday watching the playoffs, and the Lakers are not even in it. Um, yeah. Yeah, y'all help me out here, right? But I want to I wanna give you a that, – that's just my life, okay? That's my life. But I want to take you back – into what we're looking at here in the passage that we're about to get into, all right? They just said to Jesus as he's, walk, as he's coming in and trotting in on this cult, save us, we beg you. In other words, they're not saying that to LeBron James, right? They're not saying that to me or to any of you. They're saying that to who they believe to be the Messiah, the Savior, the one who will deliver them from all of their worries, all of their fears, all of the things that they're, all their oppression. Remember, they're under, they're, they're in a time frame right now where they're living under Roman rule and it's not fun, okay? So they're looking at Jesus as the answer, as the solution to all of that. Can you imagine believing that? Can you imagine seeing this man and he's done miracles after miracles and taught so well and knows his scripture and you really believe everything that, that, that's going wrong in your life is about to be fixed because Jesus is here, the king is here. And then he dies on a cross. 
Now, remember, look, I, I want you to go back with me, okay? We got to go back to the context. They don't have the Bible we have, all right? They, they don't have all the information in the end result. They don't know about, about the resurrection the way we know it and see that it's already been completed. No, they're living in this moment, right? They're living in this. So I've placed all of my hope, all of my faith into Jesus Christ, the one trotting in, and, and I'm looking at Scripture. I do know Scripture, and this is exactly what the Scripture said, that he would come in on a colt that he would come in and be triumphant and that we would shout his name. Yet this is exactly what the scriptures said. Yes, yes, yes. And then he dies on a cross. And it's like, no, no, no. So then the day of the resurrection, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, Another woman, they, they, they go to the tomb with spices. It's like a ritual thing, and he's not there. And these angels that they don't realize are angels at the time say he's not there, he's risen. And they say, didn't Jesus say he was going to have to die and raise? And they remember his words. And then we're getting, like, right before we, the text we're about to get into, go, uh, go to that Luke 24. I think it's right around verse 8, Brent. Yes, it says, and they remembered his words. The women, they remembered his words. Keep going. And it says, and returned from the tomb and reported all these things that had happened at the tomb to the 11 and to all the rest. So the 11 apostles and then all the rest of the disciples who would have been there with them. Okay? That's important because it's going to give us context. It goes to the next verse. It says, now they, they who came back and reported these things were Mary Magdalene and Joanna. That's the one I forgot. And Mary, the mother of James. Also, the other women with them were telling these things to the apostles. But look at this. But these words appeared to them as nonsense, and they would not believe them. So they come back, and they're like, yo, he wasn't in the tomb. He's not there. He's risen. And they're like, we saw angels and all these things, and they're like, mm-mm, nah, don't believe it, sure, whatever. You saw angels. You, you had a vision. Remember that spiritual air quotes we talked about? Like, yeah, sure, right? Keep going for me, uh, Brent. And, and this is what I want you to see. Proverbs 13, 12 says, a hope deferred makes the heart sick. You see, this is going to be a different sermon because I normally break it down so weird, but I'm just in a different place because I feel like we're all in a different space. What we do is we come to church, we get back into church, and we're here for the first time around. We've placed our faith in, in Jesus and this message and, and the Bible and all these things that we're hearing every Sunday. Or, or we're, we're focusing on each other and we're encouraging, encouraging each other and all these different things. And our hope becomes for the miracles, Right? Like you're sitting there right now. Some of you are here because you're lonely. So you're hoping that if you give your life to Christ, he'll bless you with a husband or a spouse. Some of you are here because you're struggling with pregnancy or getting pregnant. This is one that me and my wife went through. So you come to church hoping that Jesus is going to bless the womb or you won't be barren anymore. Some of you are struggling in your marriage right now. And you're like, man, if I come to church, Jesus is going to make my marriage better. And Some of you are struggling with your parenting and your children. And you think if you come to church and you're putting your hope in a miracle happening, you're putting your hope in something earthly happening to comfort you. And so what happens is when that doesn't happen according to what you thought it would be or according to the way you thought it would happen, you walk away. A hope destroyed walks away. 
I've been there. And if you're being honest with yourself, at some point, at some time in your Christian walk, you've been there too. You've actually thought that God has failed you, that God has forsaken you, that God has let you down. This is where we start our scripture, Luke 24, 13. So, behold, two of them, two of who? Two of the people who were with the apostles, that the women ran and said that, hey, he's not there, he's risen. Two of them were going that very day, that same day as the resurrection, to a village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. So seven miles, I did the math. If you take the B&O trail out this way and go to Jason's house for the get-together tonight, right, Elizabeth? No, okay. okay. <laughs> but, but from here, taking the B&O trail back towards west, northwest, would be a seven-mile walk, 7.3 miles, something around there. It's the exact same direction, too, that Emmaus was from Jerusalem, a, a northwest walk about seven miles. So imagine walking from here to Pittsburgh. Okay? Imagine that walk. Take about, I mean, and you're walking and talking, all right? You're not trying to do it for time, right? You're walking and you're talking. So it's going to be about two hours, two and a half hours, something like that. So these two people are walking away from Jerusalem, walking away from Jesus, walking away from the cross. They've heard of the resurrection. They remember Jesus taught about these things, but for whatever reason, their hope has been destroyed. Okay? So they're walking away from the cross, walking away from Jesus. Has anybody taken that walk? Has anybody, be honest, has anybody taken that walk? Some of you may be on that walk right now. Something died. Something about your hope died and let you down. And as a result, you are walking away from the cross. You are walking away from Christ. Many of us walk away from the church. Why? Because the church let us down. We placed our hope in the people of the church, in the pastor of the church, in the music, in whatever we, in the building of the church, right? We placed our hope in those things, and when it lets us down, what do we do? We walk away because we didn't put our hope in Jesus. We put our hope in the church. Why are you walking away from your marriage? Because you put your hope in your husband or in your wife and not Christ who should be the foundation of your marriage. Why are you walking away from your kids? Why are you walking? All these things we're walking away from this path, this journey we're taking, is because we've placed our hope in so many things that are not Christ. So when it fails us, whenever that thing fails us, we find out really quick what our master really was who our Lord really was. You shouldn't have been saying Hosanna to Jesus. You should have been saying Hosanna to whatever made you walk away because that's your true Lord. That's what you think is your Savior. And as a result, your hope is destroyed because it was a false hope. It was an incorrect hope. So they're walking away, and they were talking with each other about all of these things that had taken place. What things? The, the death of Christ, how he, he came in, and we thought he was the Messiah. We thought he was about to shake things up and take it over. We thought, hey, we, we about to win now, and now he's dead. And people said he resurrected, but we haven't seen. All these things have happened, 
and they're just discussing it like you and I would discuss. Like when something happens in the lives of, in our lives, we talk to each other about it, and we just get to going off our own thoughts and our own opinions and all these good things. So they're walking on this path, and they're discussing these things that have taken place. And while they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. So stop right there. Don't, don't go any further. So far, we don't even know the names of these two people because these are just regular old folks like you and I, right? This isn't Peter, the apostle, right? This isn't Paul who wrote the New Testament. This isn't, this isn't any of these great names we hear. These are two regular old folks. We're going to hear the name of one of them, and I believe that's because somebody had to tell the account of what happened. That's the only reason we know his name because we don't hear it before or after. And the other one, we have no clue who it is. In other words, this could be you. This could be me because Jesus cares that much about what you're hoping in and why you're walking away, all right? So Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. Next verse. And it says, but their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. Now, no matter how you look at this, there's, there's two views of looking at this. Both, I think, could, could work. One is that there's literally a supernatural thing going on where they cannot see that this is Jesus. Uh, we, we've seen that throughout the Bible. Uh, actually, in the Mark account of this, when you read the Mark account of this same story, it says that God actually did something where he looked different than what he would normally look in his resurrected body at this time. That's cool, and I'll explain why that that makes a lot of sense. But also, if we're being honest, how many of you in the moment of your sorrow, in the moment of your disappointment, don't recognize Christ? Hmm? How many of you in the moment of your lowest point, when your hope has failed you, no longer recognize Christ? No longer see him for who he said he is. No longer believe that he is who he said he is. I did all these things religiously. I came to church. I prayed. I served. I even gave. Why am I going through this? Surely the God that I read about in the Bible wouldn't allow me to go through this. If he was real, he must not be real. Or surely if Christ cared about me, he wouldn't have let this happen in my life. So now you don't recognize who he is. And now you're ready to turn your back to Christ and the cross and go back to where you came from, Emmaus. And while you're on this journey, while you're walking away from him, Jesus himself still wants to converse with you. Think about that. How many other places could he be right now? He just, he just conquered death, right? <laughs> like, and still took time in his agenda to come visit two nobodies by every standard that we think of somebody is while you're walking away destroyed no longer believing, giving up, and he wants to meet you on that road today, right now. So it says, it says their eyes were prevented, and Jesus said to them, he said, what are these words you are exchanging with one another as you are walking? And look, they stood still and were looking sad, right? So this wasn't a happy conversation. Yeah, everything went as planned. No, no, no. Everything didn't go as planned according to what they thought was going to happen. 
So what happens is they say, one of them, Cleopas, once again, you never hear about him before or after. I believe we know his name simply because somebody had to tell Luke what happened. Somebody had to tell, somebody had to tell the testimony of what happened, right? So it was Cleopas. Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have happened here in these days? Stay right there, Brent. So look at this. This is powerful because sometimes when we think about Christianity and the resurrection, it's like only Christians believe that. And that's only in the Bible. But this is like, this is a, an account of people talking right here. And I'm looking at you. I'm like, bro, are you the only person at Church on a Rock who, who doesn't know that the toilets are down? Like, really, Dave? Like, like, like if, if Dave talked to me after church and was like, oh, the toilets were down? I'd be like, really? You're the only, per- you, you're the only person? Well, now you know. You know now, all right? Oh, my bad. But, but no, not my bad. That's exactly what I'm talking about, right? They, but everybody would be confused. Like, dude, it was on Facebook. And I know Facebook was down for a little bit, but it was on Facebook. It was on GroupMe. When you walked in, we announced it on the stage. H- have you been here from, like, the beginning? Okay, okay, so see, see, that makes sense. But, but everybody would be, look at you and be like, sis, you're the only one <laughs> who doesn't know the toilets don't work. Good thing we caught you, right? All right. <laughs> so look, so, so this is saying the resurrection wasn't a secret. It wasn't something that nobody knew about. Like anybody who would have been in town for the Passover festival would have known that Christ was crucified. They would have known. This was not a secret. This was not like history books outside of the Bible talk about this. That's important. This is not just something in the Bible. They talk about it outside of the Bible. History books, the thing, it's funny, we believe in man's history books, right? Well, the history books talk about Jesus Christ dying. And it talks about the account of how 500-something plus people said they've seen him after his death. But, but, Cleopas is looking at Jesus, not knowing it's Jesus, and saying, are you the only one who's not aware of what happened? Jesus is prodding for information. He wants to hear their hearts. He wants to hear it out their mouth. He knows their hearts, but he wants to hear their hearts. He goes on, and he goes to the next one. He says, and and Jesus said to them, what things? Like, you know, enlighten me. And they said to him, the things about Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word in the sight of God and all the people. Keep going. It says, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him. This is why they're sad. But look at this right here. But we were hoping, you see that word there? We were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. So, so not only did we have a hope destroyed in his uh, death, but we had a hope defeated. A hope defeated walks away as well. Look at this. They were hoping in Jesus as the Messiah. That was a correct thing. Amen? That was correct. Jesus is the Messiah. But in their perspective, this is what they were hoping for. They were hoping that Jesus was going to conquer the Romans. We're under earthly oppression. The king is here. He's about to open up shop on the Romans. It's over. Um. Romans, I feel bad for you because the king of the Jews is here. You're going you to learn today, right? You're going to learn today, right? So when Jesus dies and the Romans are still in control, my hope has been defeated. 
And he says it right here. We were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. The funny thing is, he is. But see, they were looking for the earthly security instead of the eternal security. And that's where a lot of us are today, and that's why a lot of us are on that path right now. You come here to church, or you start reading your Bible, or you begin this journey with Christ, and it's all about what you can get out of it here on earth. But I'm here to tell you that is not what the scriptures are about. Whoever's teaching you that prosperity gospel, your best life is today. God wants you to be super happy, super comfortable, super rich, balling and shot calling. That is not the case. But because some of you are allowing anybody to teach you anything, you place your hope in that. And when you place your hope in money and fame and power, and dominion, and all, and all these things that these, these fake pastors and fake preachers who don't care about you, they just want your money, want your attendance, want your praise, want your platform. That's all they want, right? They're hirelings. The Bible talks about it, okay? But, but when, you put, when you put all of your hope in them, and then it fails you because you broke, busted, and disgusted, right? Then you want to walk away from Christ, you want to walk away from the church. You want to give up on the Lord, and you're defeated. But it's not just the prosperity stuff, right? How many times have you prayed for health for somebody who's sick, who's dying, and you believe that he hears you, and you believe that he's listening, but the person still passes away? The question becomes, was your hope in God and Jesus, that he's able? Or was your hope in, if he does this, then I will continue on? Because when he doesn't, then you're defeated and you walk away. You see, sometimes we get so focused on the miracles that we miss the Messiah. Think about that. We come in here and things are going good. Ever since I started church, Rashad, my life has turned upside down. Things are going great. My credit, my, I got a new crib and my relationship and all that. And, and I'm like, okay, that's great. That's awesome. But don't put your hope in that. <laughs> because in, 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 in a month or so, a year or so, all that's going to go bye-bye possibly. <laughs> and at some point, all of it is temporary anyway, Right? And if you put your hope in that, it's going to die. It will die, and when it dies, what happens to you? See, we have to understand the difference between hoping in and hoping for. There's nothing wrong with you hoping for things, right? Um, I hope for my daughter to go to college. I hope for all of you to come to Christ. I hope for great attendance next week for Easter. I hope for, these are things I hope for, right? But if I place my hope in those things and then they fail, I'm defeated. I'm destroyed. You see how that works? My only hope in something should be Jesus Christ and Christ alone. He's never failed. He's never forsaken. 
He's never let me down when my hope was in him. The moment my hope is no longer in him and in something that he can provide or something he can do, when that fails me, I walk away from him when actually I should have walked away from the thing I was hoping in. Jesus never failed you. Your expectations of Jesus failed you. That's what happened here. We were hoping that it was Jesus who was going to redeem Israel the way we wanted him to redeem Israel. So they're defeated, and they're walking away. I was hoping when I came to church I would get around a whole bunch of people who would cater to my needs, and I would come first and, and wouldn't step on my toes, and it would be so much different than the rest of them people out there. And when I got in here, people still talk about me. People still do the little stank face to me, look me up and down and all that good stuff. And I'm leaving the church because they're not meeting my expectations of the church. Anybody familiar with that? You ain't got to raise your hand. But this is what happens. You came in here expecting what you want from church, and you got God's children. (laughs) Sinners saved by grace who don't look no different than the world who argue, who struggle, step on toes sometimes, talk too much. <laughs> nah, okay, okay. So look, so look, so look, so look. So then, then look at this. He says, indeed, besides all of this, so besides everything else that I said, it is the third day since these things happened. So they knew, they were familiar and aware That, hey, he said something, Ty, something's going to happen on the third day, but, man, it's 3.30. You see what I'm saying? Like, he said something's going to happen, but it's 3.30, and according, like, my day ended 4, right? Like, it's 3.30. So now you're looking at literally a hope deferred. A hope deferred walks away as well. A hope deferred, deferred, prolonged. Right? You want Jesus to move on your time. He said he's going to do it, right? Why ain't he done it? But I've always heard pastors, when they get to going, delay is not denial. It ain't about your time, control freak. Right? I, I, well, I've been doing this, and I did this and all that. Why ain't I prospering yet? What if... What if you see no prosperity until you get to the kingdom. I mean, think about this. Think about this. Everything is from God's perspective, right? So if it's from God's perspective, this is what he says. This is what the Bible says, all right? Your entire life, your entire 85 years, 100 years, 14 years, 30 years, whatever you want to say, is a vapor. It's a vapor. Your entire life is a vapor. All right. So you thinking he's taking forever. He's like, it's a vapor. It's literally a Thanos snap, right? Y'all catch that? All right, never mind. Y'all can't get that. All right, so look, come back. All right, so, so check it out. Your entire everything is a vapor, all right? And you're sitting here thinking that he's taking too long to answer your prayers and he's taking too long to do what he does. And he's like, your entire life, is a, there is no too long for me. I don't exist in time. You're going through it, but I've already seen it done. I've seen the end from the beginning, this is all scripture. So they're tripping because they're like, it's the third day. And we, he says something about the third day, but it's already 3.30, and they don't even realize they're talking to the resurrected king. They tripping, 
And they talking to the resurrected king. So it goes on. And he says, but also some women among us amazed us. When they were at the tomb early in the morning, so he's about to summarize the first 12 verses. He says, and did not find his body. They came saying they had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Keep going. And then it says, exactly as the women also said, but him, Jesus, they did not see. So even though everything was exactly how the women said, they boys ran to the tomb. They looked. They came back. was like, yo, he really ain't there for these two. Since, but did you see him? No, we didn't see him, but that's the point. He ain't there. But did you see him? No. <sighs> I hope doubted walks away. You see, you don't know how to walk by faith and not by sight. You can't believe Jesus for what he said. He said I was going to rise again. If he said it, that seals it, right? But since you can't see it, you... It's supposed to be if he said it, that seals it. But we say, if I see it, that seals it. And that's what's wrong with us. We're focusing on the seen instead of the unseen. I'm sorry, but if everything that you're looking for in this life is right here, you will be, it'll fail you every time. If, if, if all you want in all of this is prosperity here on earth, you, it will fail you every single time. The reason we worship God. The reason we praise his name is because of what's unseen and what's to come, not what's today. So if you don't understand that, you walk away. You leave. You quit. You give up. And right there, that's, oh, there's so much good stuff in there, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to hold that for next week. So, 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 no, so I want you to think about this real quick. I want you to think about this as I get ready to close out. And, Todd, we're going to do something weird with the mic, so uh, I'll pass it to you as I'm finishing or whatever, right? Um, I, I want to close it out like this, and I really want to challenge everybody in this room. And I really, like, so, so let's go there real quick, okay? Let's go to that, that opening scene, Palm Sunday, right? Jesus is entering into the the. Jerusalem, into Brownsburg. He's coming into Brownsburg, right? He's entering on, on 267 on a colt, walking in from Avon, right? Because I always say Avon's the bad place. All right. <laughs> and as he comes in, we are laying coats down, and we ain't, we ain't got no palm trees, so whatever kind of trees we got, we're laying those kind of leaves down. And he's coming in like a king, like he's about to do something, and we're placing all of our hope, all of our everything in him conquering whatever we don't like about Brownsburg. On our behalf. That's why he's here, to do whatever we want him to do for us here on earth. And he dies without doing any of it. This is where many of you are right now. You've only come to Jesus for him to do what you want him to do. The only reason you've confessed him as Lord is so you can be Lord. Period. You haven't confessed him as Lord so that you can obey and be in obedience and walk underneath him. You've confessed him as Lord so that you can try to tell him what he needs to do for you in your life so that you will keep believing. You're literally giving Jesus ultimatums. If you, then I will. This is the life you're living. And what happens is he doesn't. You say if you, and he doesn't do it. And then you walk away from Jerusalem. You walk away from the cross. You walk away from Jesus, defeated, destroyed, doubting, 
deferred, all those things have you walking away. And even as you walk away from him, he comes and he meets you exactly where you're at. What we're going to find out next week is everything he did to heal this defeated hope, everything he did to heal this, this destruction that took place in them was in the scriptures. All he did before he revealed himself was point them back to the word. I want you to understand something today. You're probably suffering in some way, shape, or form. You're going through something right now that has put you on a path of walking away. The Bible promises that you will suffer as a Christian. Philippians 129 specifically says, you were not only granted to participate in salvation through Christ, but you were granted, gifted to suffer. James 1 says, count it all joy. Count what all joy? When, not if, when you experience temptations, trials, suffering of all kinds. Why? Because he's using it to produce something in you. Nine times out of ten, whatever you're suffering in is to get your blind spot right. Because what, you're, what you don't realize is that you've made a God or a Lord out of something that is not Jesus. And the only way I can get you to see that is for you to lose that. Suffering. It's producing endurance. It's producing understanding. It's producing a stronger faith. All these things are happening. And this is what you find out about yourself. Take it from me. When I've lost my idols and lost my gods and lost my lords, I realized none of them were Jesus. Now, that's not all the time. But if you're ready to walk away because of what you've lost and you can't lose Jesus, then you found your Lord. You have found the thing that you were saying Hosanna to. And that's a tough pill to swallow. And I'm not going to sit here and act like that's an easy thing to swallow. It's not. I went through it. I lived through it. And I walked away. I completely walked away. I was done. After all he's done for me, I should never walk away. And I still walked down that path. I praise God that he met me exactly where I was as my back was turned to him even after salvation. And he conversed with me. And he pointed me back to the scriptures. And he reminded me that these things had to happen to prove the scriptures to be true. I can't say in my word that as a Christian you will be persecuted and then you never have a problem in your life. But here's the problem. We want to pick what that problem is. Oh, Father, I'll, I'll go without the cheeseburger. Just don't take my wife. Father, I'll go without the material things of the world. Just don't take Genesis. Father, I'll, I'll be poor. I'll be this. I'll be that. Just don't do, insert whatever your Lord is. And in that moment, when you lose that thing, you will walk away from Jesus. Blaming Jesus when it has nothing to do with him and everything to do with your false hope. So now, this is what I want you to think through. The song we sang before we started this sermon, the Here Again song, we're going to sing that again. But think about the words this time. Process these words a little differently. 
Can you go to the words real quick? Brent, I just want you to see this. I want you to really, we don't choose songs because they sound good or have a good melody. We choose them because they, they match what the Lord shows us in God's word. I'm not enough unless you come. Will you meet me here again? You see that not enough mentality is you thinking what you know about the Bible, leaning on your own understanding and coming up with all these false hopes of what you believe. And you're walking away from Jesus. You're walking away from the church. You're walking away from God's people because it's not going the way you want it to go. Well, the words say, will you meet me here again? Where? On that road to Emmaus. Will you meet me there again? Jesus. This morning I woke up and my daughter sliced her thumb, had to go to the ER. I get here, the toilets are down. Nothing's going right on the pro presenter. And once again, because I've put my hope into Sunday morning service, I'm destroyed and I'm frustrated. I can't get to my sermon. I can't put it together the way I want to. And I'm ready to walk. And I hear these, these ladies rehearsing that I'm not enough on my own. Because this morning I was not enough. I didn't have the strength. I didn't want to push. I didn't want to preach, and I had to look at Jesus and say, Father, I'm not enough on my own. Will you meet me again? Because I know you've done it before. How many times have I told you Jesus did a message, preached for me, right? But for whatever reason, because of my foolishness, because I'm a sheep, I was walking on that road again just this morning because of my circumstances and my situation. But Jesus came and talked to me again and said, Rashad, you're about to preach this. I promised you I would meet you in the middle. I'm not going to change what's already happened, and I don't, I'm not going to tell you what's going to happen. I'm going to promise you I'm right there with you in the middle. Somebody is there this morning. Somebody is there this morning. So stand up and sing with me and trust that Jesus is going to meet you again. Sing, I'm not enough. I'm not enough unless you come. Will you meet me here again? Because all
podcast is a ministry of Church on the Rock in Brownsburg, Indiana. If you want any more information about our church family, our pastor, or where we meet, please visit our website, www.churchontherockbb.com.